Welcome to Cranford Radio. I'm joined today by Tom Jenick. He is a special agent with Norfolk Southern Police Department. He's also on the executive board of New Jersey Operation Lifesaver. And today we're going to be talking about railroad safety. Tom, welcome to Cranford Radio. Thank you. Good morning. Pleasure to be here. Talking about Operation Lifesaver, for those who live in Cranford, many are probably aware of this. We have two very active rail lines that bisect the town. Of course, there's New Jersey Transit's Raritan Valley Line, which has primarily passenger trains that run along it. And then in the southern part of Cranford, there's Conrail's Lehigh Line, which is jointly owned by Norfolk Southern and CSX, and that is 100% freight trains that are coming through. How much of an issue is railroad safety in general? Well, railroad safety is a big concern, especially for us at the police level, law enforcement level, and uh, it's a big safety concern. Operation Lifesaver itself was created because of these concerns. And uh, back in the early 80s, several engineers for the Union Pacific Railroad and railroads out west had quite frankly got tired of having trespassers hit by trains. And so the gentlemen took it upon themselves to begin to create this rail safety education program. And it's evolved today to where it's in every state in the United States, uh, parts, great parts of Canada, parts of Mexico and Europe. So Operation Lifesaver has swollen to a large safety concern organization and it's become quite effective. When you're dealing with people who are trespassing along railroad property, whether it's a passenger line or a freight line, is it primarily younger people that you think are attracted to doing that or does it also involve older people who uh, perhaps are using it as a shortcut or what have you? Actually, you're correct on both parts of that equation. Unfortunately, uh, there's no age discrimination when it comes to trespassing. What we find is there's a difference in level of awareness. For example, young kids who might go up to a track because it's a fun place they think to hang out or out of the way or a shortcut to get from school to a neighborhood or go to a, a mall aren't taking into consideration all the dangers. And what we try to stress with Operation Lifesaver is it's not just an active rail line that's a danger when the train is on it. Of course, that's a horrific hazard. But just the environment itself is dangerous. Uh, when you consider the fact that these tracks are, are made for rail cars, not for pedestrians, they're slippery, uh, the roadbed is, is meant to drain water, it's not meant to really be a walking path or a bicycle path, there are often curves where your line of sight is, is limited. So there's so many more hazards to it. But getting back to your age question, no, unfortunately, as a railroad police officer, and uh, we deal with people from very young age to very old age. We deal with people who are using it for shortcuts. We deal with people who have criminal intent in mind. You know, this is the day and age where we have to be concerned about more nefarious things than just innocent so-called trespassing, as dangerous as that can be. So there's a real gamut of what and who is up on the railroad tracks, and our concern with Operation Lifesaver is to, one, deter people from trespassing in the first place, two, make people aware of how to act on and around railroad tracks. We do that through a various uh, uh, educational handouts. And uh, three, you know, the enforcement of the laws against those who choose and select to uh, trespass uh, for reasons that are inexplicable, quite frankly. As a kid growing up along uh, the Lehigh Valley, the old Lehigh Valley line, which is now the Lehigh line of uh, Conrail, uh, I know as a kid, I'm not proud to say it, but I spent a lot of time playing around those railroad tracks. It was a somewhat different 
world then, obviously pre-9-11, but the railroad workers uh, in some ways almost welcomed us. How do you get that message through to kids that railroads are not a place to play, certainly not a shortcut to get from point A to point B? Well, again, I think, you know, not to excuse what you and, and uh, I've, if I had a nickel for every person I've talked to since I've taken this railroad police job as has told me, I'd be a lot nickels richer. But the times have changed. I mean, that sounds cl- like a cliche, but here's the difference. Today's trains are faster. They're much more quiet. The rail itself, uh, you know, the traditional clickety-clack of tracks is gone. Most of the rail around here has been upgraded to what they call continuous welded rail, so it's one complete ribbon of steel. So you don't hear the train. Other factors, you know, when you and I were younger men, we didn't have earbuds. We didn't walk around with constant uh, earplugs in our ears listening to music or whatever. Again, I have quite a bit of interactions with people who are walking on or along the railroad track with hats on and earbuds in, and they they don't even hear when you're talking to them, let alone if a train was approaching them from behind. Uh, It's just a different world we live in. You know, people are a little bit more preoccupied. So there are some differences. Uh, Again, getting into the security of the country, the infrastructure, a big difference. You know, Uh, I think we have to look at things realistically today in that some innocent-looking things may not be quite as innocent as what we thought 20, 30, 40, or 50 years ago. Those days are gone. The types of freight that are being moved, a lot of freight has come off the roadways, more freight will be coming off the roadways, and the railroads are having a bit of a revitalization in, in moving larger freight, all types of freight, sensitive freight, common freight, but even rail cars moving freight can provide a hazard if something is to come off the train or you know something happens or somebody puts something on the tracks. The days of the innocent, like you say, are, are, are unfortunately, I think, are gone. This isn't really an issue in Cranford since we have no active grade crossings, but many Cranford uh, residents, obviously, as they drive around, do come to grade crossings, and that's also very much a safety issue. Tell me a little bit about some of the concerns there, if you would, please. Well, let me just throw some statistics at you, not to bore you, but when Operation Lifesaver began, statistically, in the United States, in 1981, for example, There were over 9,400 collisions at grade crossings in the United States, 9,400. There were 728 fatalities that year. Year after year after year after year, Operation Lifesaver spread, grew, got bigger, educated schools, senior citizens groups, driver education in schools. Anybody who was willing to, two people to 200 people, who anybody who's willing, we will give a presentation to. And so the numbers reflected our messages getting out there. 2015, and you can go on uh, oli.org, it's uh, oli.org, and you can see the statistics. But in 2015, that number was reduced to just slightly over 2,000 and 244 fatalities. That's a big difference. Still a lot, still a number that we're trying to work on each and every single day to get lower and lower. But people have become aware of it. Technology at grade crossings has come a long way. The crossings themselves now often in, in high traffic areas will have crossing arms that extend all the way over the roadway, both lanes of the roadway. All four entrances to an intersection will now have crossing arms in many locations instead of just one on each track. They'll have uh, cement barriers down the middle of the roadway so somebody can't go around them. And yet it still comes down to the education and the awareness of the vehicle operator because if you get past the crossing gate and you're stuck between two and you're on the tracks or you're waiting for a green light up ahead and you're, you're sitting on the rail, you know, you're not really 
doing a smart thing. You need to really be aware of your surroundings at all times. You can't take for granted that the uh, gates are always working, although the railroads do a phenomenal job and there are many fail-safe things in place. But you never know if somebody may have damaged them or somebody may have, again, you know, some kind of criminal intent. So our, our message is stay off those tracks. There's signs at all crossings, you know, telling you to keep off the tracks. Don't stop on the tracks. Don't park on the tracks. You know, you're caught up in traffic and you're in a string of cars that's going forward. Take the horns that are blowing at you from behind you instead of sitting across the tracks, you know, because if a train's coming, it takes a train that's doing 55 miles an hour about 18 football fields to stop. So chances are they're not going to be able to stop in time. So, you know, be aware of your surroundings. But, again, the numbers reflect that our message is working, and it's getting better every year, and that's something that we're very proud of. You were talking a bit about some of the newer-type rail crossings where they have the gates that come down and all four approaches to it, and there might be a divider between it. Uh, one of the closest grade crossings to Cranford is on Railway Avenue in Westfield on the Lehigh Line, and there is a sign that says no train horn. Tell me a little bit about why there is no train horn and how that's set up so they don't have to blow the horn to uh, warn people about the train approaching. Well, what happens is a municipality petitions to get that status. And what they have to do is they have to show through engineering studies and, and many other uh, ingredients that the train is not going to blow its horn as it's approaching the rail crossing. Now, again, you... you you mentioned it, and you're correct. There's a lot of engineering that goes into that. Extra precautions to protect that crossing, line of sight issues. Uh, but at the end of the day, if a train is approaching that crossing and they do see a vehicle or a person, they have the right to sound their horn. Okay, it's just that they're not going to do it as a normal operating procedure. And there's a fee involved, and towns have to petition the different parties involved the railroad's involved, the Department of Transportation is involved in that, uh, so they know that it can be done safely. And that's basically how it works. And I'm glad you brought it up because the no train horn sign, most people that are driving don't really get it. They're not sure what that means, but that's what it means. That means as a routine, that train is not going to blow its horn as it's approaching that specific grade crossing, unless the engineer and conductor of that train feel it's necessary. But as a routine, they're not going to do that. So, again, that's one more thing that a person that's on and around the railroad needs to really be sure of their surroundings. Find out what that means. Find out what that crossing that you go over two or four times a day back and forth to work, you know, what the effects are of those signs and how to properly operate your vehicle or ride your bike across or walk over to do it the safest way. Operation Lifesaver, their biggest role is education. For someone who is interested in having a presentation done by Operation Lifesaver, tell me how they would go about that. There are several ways. Here in New Jersey, uh, New Jersey Operation Lifesaver has our own Facebook page, which is great. You could go to that. You can go to the OLI.org national website, and there's a tab where you can click on by region, and you would get a hold of your state coordinator. Our state coordinator is currently a gentleman by the name of Todd Hurt, who's done a remarkable job in his tenure as our coordinator. You can reach out to any of the railroads that are involved. I've talked to groups as small as two, and I've done uh, groups as large as 200. Uh, police academy classes, police classes, fire departments, rescue squads, church groups, senior groups, PTAs, uh, driver education classes. I've also taught bus drivers. But we really technically and wholeheartedly will do anyone who's interested because 
the more we do, the better off these numbers that I talked about earlier will go down and go down and go down, and that's really the only way you can do it. I'd like to talk a little bit about you, if I can. As I talk with you, obviously I can hear a passion and a, a great knowledge of railroads. You're a police officer for Norfolk Southern, and you're volunteering your time for Operation Lifesaver. Formerly, you were a police officer in Fanwood. How did you get involved with railroads? You know, like you, I've had some experience as a young child in and around trains, but I always had, in, in an odd way, a great deal of respect for trains. I mean, I was a fan of railroads at a very young age, for photography. But I never felt the need to kind of tempt fate, as it were. I would, you know, be respectful of the rail, but it just was something I think, uh, you know, it's like any other real hobby. If you become passionate over something, it kind of sticks with you for life. You know, they say once you get a bug, you know, you have it. And uh, it's interesting because I started at a very young age, photographer of trains, thinking nothing of it, really, until about five years ago when I look back at some of my slides from the early 70s, realizing this stuff is 40 years old, you know, 45 years old and uh, historical. Uh, to a great degree. And so it's just something I've always had a passion for. As far as the safety aspect of it, really the roots of this uh, uh, started when I was in Fanwood, and we had the Raritan Valley line that you mentioned earlier. And, you know, we didn't have a great deal of trespassing issues, but any trespassing issue really concerned me, and especially uh, when it came to younger kids who, you know, we all understand that younger people feel invincible, and, and they don't really concern themselves with the thing a parent or somebody else might. So that was something that I set my sights on, worked on really hard, and uh, that's how I got to, when I got to Norfolk Southern, I had already had my Operation Lifesaver certificate, so it just continued. Well, we've been talking with Tom Jettick. He's a special agent with Norfolk Southern's Railway Police. He's also on the executive board of New Jersey Operation Lifesaver, and we've been talking about railroad safety. If you want more information, you can click on any of the links that are with this podcast to find out additional information. Tom, thank you so much for your time. You're quite welcome anytime.